Welcome. Yeah, this is your first guest appearance. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. The Esports Trade Association is amazing. Megan, you are extra amazing. So I'm extra glad to be here. Well, and Varsity Esports Foundation is extra, extra amazing. And we're, we're here to learn a little bit about it. Yeah, so why esports? I guess we could start with that. Uh, really, why not? Right? I mean, it's a, it's a sexy word, right? Everybody's, everybody's into understanding what esports is and trying to make money off it or be a part of it. And I, I really noticed back in 2017, there were high schools that had esport clubs all around the United States, about 1500 at that time. And they were all in the suburbs and that didn't sit well with me being in nonprofit world, helping uh, low income families for many years through different organizations and saying there needs to be esports in the urban core. There needs to be esports in the rural area because I grew up in the urban core in Oklahoma City and we didn't have the funding and STEM and all sorts of fun stuff. We had make sure you show up to school and you don't get in trouble. And right. if there was some sort of outlet for me that wasn't football or soccer or swimming or, I mean, I was in a lot of great fun stuff, but I didn't ever connect with video games in that level. And so what, what could have been different for me in my, in my high school through college career, if I would have had more STEM focused opportunities. So that's why we're here. The foundation was really built out of necessity to help kids in the lower income areas, disenfranchised students, places like digital redlining where, you know, the money is not flowing to help support students the way it should be. So we'll, we'll be here. We'll, we'll be in existence until we get funded out of existence. And I'd rather it be that way. I'd rather us be funded out of existence so that the government, the community and the schools can take ownership of supporting kids the way we want to. But until then, we'll just be here doing what we can. Isn't that great? Great. Tell me about a couple of your programs because I read about one that I thought sounded really interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I make it. It's it's fun for me because program is a word and a thing I did for many years with working for the YMCA and Parks and Rec and Chamber of Commerce, Sports Commission, all those running events, organizing events, understanding programs. This last year and a half since I started back in September of nineteen as the first and only employee of the foundation was not event heavy like I was running running a Super Bowl every weekend for thousands of kids across the Kansas City Metro or something with sports. The really uh, another a lot of the things we do are built out of necessity and just low hanging fruit. Like let's let's do this because no one else is doing it. And we've got things like our esports education network that's really all about educating people and giving literacy around esports, especially the school's classic space, giving certifications. We also have some charitable events that we do with streamers and influencers and businesses where they can raise money for specific schools uh, or specific projects that we're a part of to help fund esport programs, you know, as well as just, uh, I, I think, What's helpful is I didn't have to run those events, like I said, but I've been able to just connect and learn and grow as, a, grow as a person and grow as an organization to just be a connective tissue kind of organization for the esports industry, especially in this classic space. Right, right. That's interesting. So what advice would you give to businesses that are looking to get into this space? Yeah, businesses, there's a lot of ROI opportunity, right, for esports. It's a fast-growing industry. There's no ceiling on it. 
you're in the early adoption stage. The bell curve isn't there yet. You still have an opportunity to be a part of it, but it goes beyond just who Ninja is and big esports stadiums with your logo in the background. It goes beyond that. You can invest in certain things, but we really uh, ask as a foundation, as a nonprofit charity, to say make a bigger splash with an opportunity to support the next generation. Because the next generation, if you're supporting them and maybe helping them with things at their school space, with with STEM, you know, accredited organization type programs, then are they for future consumers for you? They they buy your products. They take they invest in you. They invest in your business by being a consumer. So it's important to build that up because we're also trying to be proactive with them. And if you as a corporation or business or an organization can take that corporate philanthropy and support beyond just maybe, maybe this isn't puppies and maybe this isn't building houses or giving blood, but I mean, all those students who you could invest in through our foundation could help puppies and build houses and give some blood because they now have a great example of what philanthropy looks like. Yeah, that's true. I, did I read right that you're a one man show running this entire foundation for years and years? Yeah, I, I've I've been the first first employee, the only employee now. I did have a really great employee for a few about six months, and he moved on to even a better role in a partnered organization we have with the high school esports league. But uh, yeah, well, one man right now. I had Connor Olney, who goes by Coach Olney on TikTok, very famous esports okay. social media expert. And now he does content management for the high school esports league. And it's, it's uh, great to partner with him and still just know what he's doing and watch all his content coming out. Cause he helped create our esports education network and all our certifications and our videos on demand that help educate coaches and parents and uh, administrators. But yeah, it's, it's me right now. And it's, it's, it's fun, but we, I, I luckily have like, I had 11 interns at one point, high school and college students. And now I think one of them went and worked for Evil Genius and for another company. One works for the esports company. He's a high school student. He's a, like he's now a general manager for an esports team. One one student, he's doing his masters, but he's also a, a professional NBA 2K player now. And then I have a couple of students who are finishing up their degrees or their masters, and then a few of them who are like all in. I've got some great leadership out of these these students who are now you know running running these programs that we're accomplishing with the NFL. We're doing some stuff um, with the Hall of Fame in August, some stuff with professional esports teams that we did back in December and this, this summer. And so I've got a great group of interns, which is nice because I've, I've had 50 some odd plus interns over my years and 20 years in nonprofit. And you know, a lot of it's grunt work <laughs> from those years of data entry or you know keeping time for a three-year-old soccer game or something. And these, these students are great high school and, and college students as well. And well, you know, a couple of them are doing a big research project around effects of esports in school and working with the international journal of esports. So, yeah, I, I love talking about them and, and motivating them and helping them. It really, it's this, I, I just wanted to be a stepping stone for them just to how can I connect them really with who needs a job? Who, what do you want to do after this? Is it esports? Is it sports management? Cause I have that information marketing. I've been doing that for years with many hats. How can I help? And it's been fun to kind of connect them with, with businesses. So what does the day look like? How, how are you planning? What's next? What's, you know, how do you manage everything you're doing? 
Well, I, I do. Any of the events we have coming up, definitely our interns are, are I, I love that they're leading that and they have passion around it. And really it's me just facilitating. If you know like what a racy chart is, like who's responsible for it, who's accountable, who is informed and who's consolidated or not consolidated, the C, I forget what it was, Ari, obviously off the top of my head, but being responsible and, and me just being informed to know what's going on, but them actually taking action that that is that feels good because it's not just leading staff and them having a role and them getting paid to do things. I've led lots of staff, but I've led sure. lots of volunteer boards as well. And the volunteers always work a little harder. It seems uh, out of the, out of the roles that I've been in management, but day to day for me, it's just out there making connections. I, I I'm a pretty open guy. Here's my calendar and set up a phone call with me. Here's the times available. People want to ask you know, similar questions over and over, and I'm happy to answer them. But that's also why we created our videos, because we got the same questions over and over about what is esports and why and uh, why is it helpful and how to do it in schools. But otherwise, it's just me connecting with people and building relationships and saying, you know, lean on me. Let me let me be your Pew Research of esports type, type one-stop shop with information and education. And th- we're not, we're not by by far not the hub for that, but we want to help support that or connect you with people that can. And most of the time it's taking a phone call, learning about somebody and knowing they're in Florida saying, Hey, we're the only people doing this. And we want to really do this globally or nationally or state level. Like, cool. Did you know the people in California are doing the same thing? You should connect with them. And that's the conversations I have a lot of the right. segmentation of esports, where we all are in silos. One, one analogy the other one is, Many of us are going down the same highway in the different cars, uh, all going the same direction with the same end destination, but we don't even know we're driving next to each other because we're segmented. And it's esports is very much that. We might as well call it esports or, e- or e-segmentation is what our industry is sometimes, uh, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the, my day-to-day is just connecting and then taking a phone call with somebody and saying, wow, this is great. I'm here for you. Whatever you need, just let me know. And then the next call is, hey, I just got this phone call with somebody. They're doing this really cool thing. You should know about them. That's what I get to do. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting journey. It's an, you know, I hear this a lot in the academic sector. What do you see that will end up happening across the globe? Maybe in five years, we call it something different. I don't know. Maybe it may, you know, 20 some odd years ago when we, coined the term for competitive gaming in the scholastic space, the term sport has a struggle, I think in the high school and college space to where, especially in the college space, it needs, it needs a department of its own in the college space. It can't just live under student life or athletics, or sometimes it lives under the IT department in the college space, even, even for high school, middle school is the same way. It really needs its own, its own adventure and not to be, not to be parallel to traditional sports, but learn from traditional sports and be its own animal. So in the next five, 10 years, you know, maybe, maybe we figure out that esports wasn't the right term. And maybe it's some cool name like flippity jib. I have no idea what it, what it could be, but scholastic gaming is a big deal. Our friends, James O'Hagan, who's on our education committee at the Esports Trade Association, scholar gamers, scholastic gamers, like that's that's something he really promotes. Right. He also he also promotes internet being a uh, utility 
because the rural community doesn't have the same access that we do in the city. Right. So I, there's, there's a lot of things that need to change. Yeah. We're having Elon Musk creating space link and making that an opportunity for people so we can have more access, but globalization is also a curse in itself. I mean, like we were designed to be communities of 50 people or less and be tribes. So globalization and, and having people like your photos from, you know, those other world is, is a lot to manage for us mentally and emotionally and spiritually. So where does esports go? I know that's a big, <laughs> let me uh, go back to esports. I think it's going to continue to grow. There's going to be a lot of acquisition and mergers and a lot of new companies coming up and a lot of series A seed money happening with all these groups who can promise a lot of stuff. And then somebody already created something because people don't know. Cause it's like, Oh, it's sexy. Let me just throw money at this. And that's happening a lot. So merging acquisition growth shrink. There's going to be a lot of shrink shrinkage of, of the industry, but that means we're going to hone in and be better at it. I think. You know what I like too is I loved hearing that mostly that your teams volunteer. I mean, 50 volunteers over the over the course of a couple of years. That's that's such a great opportunity. And I know that you are an advocate for mentorship and you've had some great mentors in your life. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because clearly you're out in the world still, you know, emulating what your mentor taught you and all the books and I'll, I, I yeah. love reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, I, I'm a, I've had some, definitely some good mentors in my life and uh, fellowship of Christian athletes was an organization I was a part of for many years. Our mentor, the, the man who married my wife and I, he taught me how to be coachable and make sure, even though he would tell me the same way to do things over and over, still say, yes, sir. And, you know, don't, don't worry about it. If people, people have a tendency to micromanage. They, they, they do. So just be coachable and you can bring that with the, with them up later. And, but in the heat of the, the activity, the project, you just got to you know roll with it. So yeah, mentoring for me. Yeah, it's fun, but I'm also an educator. I teach at a university here in Kansas city for the past eight years. And I've always loved teaching. I teach in traditional sports and we're actually working on a couple of different esports certifications as well. So yeah, for me, I, I, I enjoy working with with volunteers, as, even at church, and running, you know, being on stage with the kids, and you know, being big big idiot dressed up in silly costumes. So that's 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 fun for me. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity when it comes to esports in the sense of there's a lot of volunteers and interns out there who are looking to really grow their resume. I'd say the esports trade association is probably a really could be a really big factor for that when it comes to people looking for opportunities. I, I you know, I worked for the chamber of commerce for many years and that, that chamber of commerce mentality of you got job seekers, you got companies, you got industry, you've got volunteers all working together to help their community. I, I mean, why not? This is the same thing where this is the esports community and we're all doing stuff together. And how can the esports trade association, you know, amplify what it's doing right now even more. And I think there's a lot of great stuff it's doing now. What, what's the next steps? What, how do we, how do we go even further? Yeah. Especially in, in, you know, such a new industry that's changing so quickly and people are entering. So it feels um, like we're, you know, six months old. It's hard for me to believe that we're over four years old. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's been kind of a herding cat situation, I think. The whole sure, the whole sure, and fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anybody could do it, you could. So, oh. thank you for doing it. You know, it's it has been an honor. The what I think like esports is the three C's. There's you know connection, community. I forgot the third C. <laughs> no, but really the the commitment to people and each other, mm-hmm. and the willingness to help. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that. Authenticity. I mean, I've done yeah. really, I've, I've managed so, so, so many publications that were B2B for specific communities and associations and societies. And this is, this mm-hmm. is a very special group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coalitions of people and associations, the people that join, get it. The people that don't, still want to compete and they don't that's true or a hundred dollars or a hundred feet whatever like i just i'm not into spending money on the memberships like you you'll spend that at the grocery store like in the in one week why not go you know spend it for a year and maybe invest that's an investment in your your own business to connect i think it's i think it's hard it's hard for businesses and organizations to see like i don't i don't invest in uh, membership organizations. Well, no wonder you're calling me trying to get help and understand the industry because you're not a part of a group that understands it as right. a whole. That's right. That was that was really all we ever wanted to do was bring people together. And it's been a slow build. Yeah, our founding sponsor, he I used to call him through through the through the build of because you know about halfway through maybe a couple of years ago, I was just really surprised that the membership was growing so slowly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he would answer the phone. Is this a, is this a, I hate you today or I love you? <laughs> and it was like that, you know, and people ask me all the time, like, Oh, I want to get into this or I want to get into that. And I'm like, just love it because yeah. it, whatever you think it is, it's just a hundred times more work than you would ever imagine. And unless you're running out of bed, doing what you love, just don't, if you can, like try it, just stop, stop, right? And it has been one of the most challenging communities that I've been part of building and also the most rewarding to yeah. be, to be really truthful. Yeah. Well, I think, I think in your, in your line of work and what you've been doing over the years with associations, it, it's still, it's still people trying to understand what this is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, know, I think I remember some of the organizations you've been involved in, but people can get that because there's probably enough household name around the things you've been involved in. So esports is not a household name yet. I think they right. talk about that five, 10 year look, hopefully it will be then. We have so many conferences this last year, these last four or five years that have been the education of esports conference. True. Like mm-hmm. conferences are always did you know this? And did you know this? And I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to tell you about this. And this is what's happening. And I mean, you don't go, you don't, that doesn't happen in a lawyer convention or a plumber's convention or something. It's, this is what new is happening. We're not having to say, Hey, did you know plumbing helps the house and uh, plumbing actually, you know, moves water. Did you guys know this? Does anybody know this? This is what's happening in esports. Esports moves water. This is what's happening right now. And we, we're teaching people what esports does and what the pathway, the pipeline is for 
you as a business, you as a student, you as a professional player, influencer, and, and the opportunities available. And there's going to be a point where we're not having to do that. And hopefully we're going to be saying, here's the new thing about esports that's happening. And everybody else knows, everybody already knows what esports is. So we're not going to have to cover that. We're going to have to, we're going to need to cover the new things that are going to happen and how we're going to accomplish those things together. Right. Clearing that path. That's very exciting. Changing the conversation or shifting it a little. Mm-hmm. You know, and just being in community where, where we're having those conversations mm-hmm. and building out all these different communities and committees. Yeah, there's plenty of ground floor. There's plenty of ground floor to go around. And there's and there's plenty of room for duplication of organizations. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of people doing the same thing. And they should be. And there's and there's maybe there's a drive to come out on top for somebody could the American way, but maybe there's a way for those organizations to all come together, you know, under a trade association, maybe. And there's no there's no hard feelings, but maybe somebody's doing East Coast, maybe somebody's doing West Coast, just like you don't have to compete for the national title of right. whatever you're doing right now when maybe you could do it together. And and I think that's another big benefit of uh, association and that community that you mentioned, because otherwise we're an island and we don't, we don't know what we're doing or we're segmented. That's what we, that's, yeah. that's how we live right now. That it, it is, it is, we are segmented and we are seeing the smaller coalitions, alliances joining mm-hmm. and it, it's wonderful. It, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. And we're even, yeah, we're looking at ways to serve, you know, one of the areas for sure that there's such a need for us communication, mm-hmm. you know, what's Milwaukee doing or what's Raleigh mm-hmm. doing, or, you know, what are you, what's Oklahoma doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, so just on a national level. Yeah. Pe- people look to Atlanta right now for, you know, they're, they're the Hollywood of the, of the East, the new Hollywood. And, but they're, you know, Todd Harris and those folks, they consider themselves the, the, the esports Mecca of the United States. Right. And uh, that's good here in Kansas city. We've started a esports coalition of like 70 uh, people and organizations around the Kansas city Metro uh, under the, and it's under the Kansas city sports commission as right. a part of the foundation. And okay. like, that's great. So now there's cities looking to us and saying, how did you do this? What does it take? Which Pennsylvania has done a good job at it. New York done a good job at it. Pennsylvania with their Philly esports and their Pennsylvania esports a coalition from the kind of chamber of commerce tourism side. There's, there's, there's folks doing it right. Indiana, Illinois, but it, it's, it was funny, like working at the Y for so many years, I never knew what the city could do in the sense of sports uh, for that matter, or supporting me until I got into the city line of work with the Chamber of Commerce and realizing, I wish I would have known this was here uh, to support, you know, our organization. Right. And I mean, and so the idea of like a coalition in your city for esports for your metro, whether it be Dallas-Fort Worth or Omaha or LA, like those those towns could use it. And they already have, or, or to be honest, there's probably three groups all thinking they're doing it without them knowing about each other in their own Metro. And right. They're all doing stuff together. Like, Hey, we're going to combine forces and run an event and they leave people out because they don't know they're doing anything. Cause there's also a sense of in the, in the, in the event space, I'll say this, the many events that I've uh, put on and the many events I've been to when it comes to the esports event I put on, I got to be a translator between the nerds and the facility people. 
trying to understand power and internet and what computers do. But then when I've gone to events that are put on by, you know, gaming clubs or land centers and they go to conference spaces and they don't, if it's just a bunch of nerds like me who know how to put computers together and put tables up, customer service is lacking, right? Customer service and ticket sales and marketing is lacking in the esports space. So things like DreamHack are great because you've got experts in all departments, not just the guys who put the tables up and run the event and run the tournament who don't know how to talk to people. You have the people who talk to people who don't know how to run, you know, tournaments. You got to have all that stuff to have a complete, you know, synergy of, of, of an event. And then last year we had COVID. Mm -hmm. So then it was okay. So now how do we Mm -hmm. do that? (laughs) You wouldn't believe how many people from my recreation background said, because I I spent a lot of time people calling me when I was doing sports saying, how do you run an event for 2000 people? Like, Oh, well here, here's the steps. Here's what you need to do. Six months out, three months out, one month out. This is what you need to do. And like, oh, how? Like, I'm going to give you a list. I'll just give you a checklist. And you accomplish those things. And then have the three-month follow-up. And then be ready for the next year. Right. And so I had a lot of phone calls of many years, just other organizations calling me from, I don't know, randomness. I don't know how they found out about what we were doing. And so when I got into esports, the and COVID hit, the calls I got from all those rec people across the country where, hey, you know, we run tournaments all the time, but now we can't use the fields. And it isn't running an esports tournament. We'll, we'll do Madden and we'll do, we'll, we're a soccer league. We'll, we'll run FIFA or we're a basketball league. We'll run NBA 2K. And it's super simple because, I mean, we run tournaments, we run brackets, we know what we're doing. We hire refs, we paint lines. It's not the same. When I was doing traditional sports and running events, I ran an esports event and it was so much harder than then, I mean, I could manage parents, could manage kids, refs, all that stuff, but managing people across the globe on chat and getting them to understand how to friend somebody on Xbox so they could play them and report their scores and then having to add rules each week because something new happened in the game that, you know, somebody cheated because they you know broke down a wall in Fortnite or whatever when they're trying to build those things I wasn't aware of compared to, you know, football. When I was making rules for football, I could maybe, right. maybe it was a weird lateral that I need to now add a rule about, but, but we, but it wasn't de- detrimental to the whole uh, tournament or something. So of these people, I said, it's not easy. It's not easy to just like have Excel spreadsheet and do one versus two, three versus four, because number two is not going to show up because they don't know how to friend their person across the globe and be on the wrong servers and have latency. It is difficult to run events as any organization. So you need people who know what they're doing and do it for a long time. Right. I've been finding it very interesting that companies are going and just creating events. You know, I've had, I've had a company, a couple of companies reach out to me and say, we just want to sponsor a competition, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I like that creativity. I think it's interesting, you know, to authentically reach, you know, or authentically get involved. What do you think? If, if people are doing that, Hey, I'll, I'll run an event. If you want to sponsor it, <laughs> I'll, I'll run a, I'll run a esports trade association tournament and uh, you guys can, those people can sponsor it. We've, got plenty of people in this space who know how to do that and uh, who can lead it 
and MC it and make content around it. But if, if there, there's also, there's also, I've talked a lot about this over the past year of authenticity. Yeah. And to maybe that's to your point of, there is just a lot of people just jumping in to jump in because they think they can get ROI on it. But when you say I'm going to sponsor a tournament and you expect the, the stars to align and get millions of people playing, you're going to get eight people because it is not, is not an easy, it's not easy market to break into for getting people to partake. Gamers are very specific. There has to be credibility around your event. There has to be prize pools, unfortunately, that, you know, warrant people coming to the event. So a hundred dollar prize pool is not the same as a hundred thousand dollar prize pool, obviously, but a hundred thousand dollar prize pool means you have a thousand sponsors and title sponsors and big, big content creation and production. And it's not just, you know, doing it on Battlefy and hoping it gets done correctly, but you're going to have more people wanting to play because there's more opportunities. It's, it's just more money to be involved. So starting small is also an, an important thing. I've, I've, I've noticed that starting small and running a thousand thousand dollar prize pool event with hopefully 50 people will be a good thing, but you can always add an asterisk and say, you know, depending on the amount of people that play is how much our prize pool will be because people you know, paying 20 bucks to play or something. And it's only $8,000 or $800 or whatever. So there's, there's lots of different ways you can accomplish it, but you've got to start small, just like everybody else did. You That's can't right. just come in and say, we're going to do a huge event. Now you can partner with people doing huge events. You can be the sponsor, but then in lies again, are you really helping? Are you helping the students that need it? Or are you helping 35 year old, 38 year old like me buy an Xbox or, you know, right. Or whatever. So that's where we'd love to see investment in opportunities for philanthropy. Yeah. And you were one of the first, you know, to, there's not a lot of foundations in the space. I mean, we're, we're taking cues from NASIF in the education space. We, I love what they do. Or NASIF is how I've been learning to call it more is the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, which now is part of the worldwide Scholastic Esports Federation. And it really just, again, out of necessity, there was, there was schools all around that it was, we've, we've evolved from just supporting with grants and scholarships to what are our initiatives? Well, digital citizenship is a huge thing. How then does that play into esports and being proactive and mental health and cyberbullying and toxicity and diversity inclusion, suicide prevention. Like those are things kids need to hear because we're not talking about it as adults. We're not talking about it. We are showing probably bad examples. Like I'm, I could be yelling at the TV because the refs on Sunday for the, the chiefs, you know, second quarter overthrown football and still a pass interference. I have no idea how as a referee for 20 years, that one kind of got me. And I could be yelling at the refs and see my kids sit next to me. And now next time they watch, they could yell at the refs. And that is a cycle that we need to break in esports of, you know, professional gamers, YouTube stars yelling and being toxic. And now the kids think it's okay to call females, you know, sandwich makers when they join a, a chat. Like those are things we don't want in the industry. We want to be better than we want to be better than what sports has provided, what traditional society has provided. And I think 
yeah, may, maybe we were one of the first, but I, during this process, I found people in those sections, those sectors that are doing things around health and wellness and toxicity and female gaming that it just keeps to grow and to grow uh, more and more organizations. But I don't want to put on, I don't want to create initial, I don't want to create programs for that. I want to get people like those to partner with so we can tell kids about why it's important to do those things and right. be a part of that organization. So is that some of the 2021 and on? Cause I was going to ask what is mm-hmm. next? We've got some big college events coming up doing stuff with colleges and college fairs, college kind of expos with high schools and esports opportunities that I can't mention just yet, but okay. they're, it really has just been a lot of this last year. Definitely, we had a lot of different things planned, but we didn't go that route with COVID, right? Like a lot of us. But this year, I think everybody has, I mean, my interns were like, hey, we really want to have a live event. Like, I don't think we're ready. I don't think we're ready to do that, even if it's even if it's a, like a championship or something or the finals, like which which is a lot of people are trying to do and just not ready. I don't think, I don't think the world's ready yet. And you can't then plan on it and then back out and have the say, all right, we are going plan B and now have to replan everything. So for us, 2021 looks like what we did in 2020, but better. Like we, we gave away, we give away a couple hundred thousand dollars in scholarships and grants in 2020 to schools and students across the United States and Canada. And we, I mean, over the next five years, we really want to raise a million dollars to, I mean, actually, more than that, we want to we want to support a million gamers, student gamers, over the next five years. So that's a hundred million dollars, right? Like, go be or go home, because if 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 we're not if we're not working on things like this now, when will we? Just as much as you know, systemic racism right now, and like I talked about digital redlining, like if we're not talking about it right now. When okay. when are we gonna talk about it? We're gonna put it off and keep putting off. So we're here to we're here to give money away. And that's what we want to do, but we need bandwidth. We need money to give away. So we need people that are businesses of the Esports Trade Association to see that and people outside of that to come in to be a member of the Esports Trade Association and maybe earn more money for their revenues because they're partnering and collaborating and being a part of coalition and association than to give back to kids. And that's it right there. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Megan. I'm glad I was here. I'm glad to be a part of the Esports Trade Association I'm glad to be on the education committee. Danny Martin's awesome. If you guys don't know him, he's a true leader in our space in education and um, happy to work with him and work with you. Oh my gosh. And, and you know, it is, it's so great that you do what you do for our, our next generation. You know, it's shocking to me that rural children, you know, rural kids don't even have internet as their home or computer. And they're home learning. Yeah. You you want kids to have the ability to learn and you know, be educated. But if they don't have the access, I mean, that's where we're struggling. The kids kids don't have access. That you know, This year, I mean, I think a lot of Chromebooks were sold because of distance learning. I mean, my kids are on iPads. So I got three kids upstairs that are all on iPads for distance learning and they're way more prepared for college than I would ever be. Cause it's like, okay, I'm getting on my call for class right now, mom. <laughs> you know, my, my wife, my wife is taking a sabbatical from her ministry this year and she, it worked out perfectly that 
she needed to be home and be the principal at, at our distance learning. And I'm the IT professional when the Wi-Fi goes down or the PE teacher when it's time to go play outside. And so, you know, things, things kind of worked out. I mean, there's a divine purpose there. So yeah, I, I think these, these, these kids for sure don't have the access, but we luckily live in a suburb. <laughs> we live in a suburb and we have property taxes to help us when kids five, 10 miles away from us are struggling to even meet up for their zoom calls through their phone. Maybe that they got, you know, for 50 bucks. Yeah. It's a struggle. It is. It is. I'm wondering what we can do more in raising awareness. You know, we're very open as an association. We love having you serving on the education committee, but it'll be great to get these businesses that are members of the esports trade association behind you even more, Mm -hmm. you know, in 2021. So one, one thing that we have the function to do as a foundation as a nonprofit is to create a fund, a restrictive fund that allows people to put in it and a board of people from the association to say where it goes. So if there's a scholarship fund from the ESTA and, or a, a grant fund, and that's something the foundation can manage and it's esport focused, I mean, we could, we could partner with a Habitat for Humanity type, type cause, but your wheelhouse is esports. So let's do something esports, right? And how do we then find a school or you know in need that has a club, but they're playing, you know, on old Nintendo Switches or something, and they're trying to compete and trying to do as good as their the people in the suburbs a few miles away and competing at a national level, and they want to go get scholarships and go to college, and they don't have the same ability to the same latency to be able to. How can right. we then provide an opportunity for the esports trade association members to give into that fund and then turn around and we say, this is the school that is adopted, or these are the schools that are adopted. And we do that adopt a school program where we've uh, done a school in Texas. Uh, we're doing some stuff with team envy and the outlaws on some Lone Star challenge type stuff to help schools in Texas, because those two pro teams are willing to do it. Uh, there's pro teams all over and there's schools all over, but, that was a low hanging fruit for us to work with them. But there's there's schools all over, or communities all over, or parks and rec, you know, departments doing this as well. And right. and maybe there's a maybe there's a, a grant for businesses that are you know lacking the ability to do what their core business is is in person events and esports. And maybe there's some sort of a business grant that helps out with organizations that raise towards that. Uh, there's there's unlimited possibilities. I'm a yes man in 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 my world. I get to say, yeah, let's do it. And uh, how can we do it? And obviously, the kids are first, and we're putting the students first. And they're going to be your next consumers. They will they will right. buy your laptops. They will they will purchase your um, business deeds. They will need you as a lawyer to do things for events. So, yeah. you know, why not why not invest in them now? Well, that's great. And how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go to our website. You can find us on Twitter, social media, all under Varsity Esports Foundation. Our website is varsityesportsfoundation.org. We've got contact forms there. We've got videos, learn about us. We've got educational portal videos you can watch to learn what esports is. If you don't know or you think you know or you're spelling esports with a lowercase e and a capital S, we've got ways to teach you how there's a better way of doing that. Isn't that great? (laughs) 
you've got a little bit for everyone. It's just been, it really has been a pleasure to have you today. Thank you so much. And um, I look forward to 2021 and a prosperous partnership, Bubba. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. So glad to be part of it.